0: And welcome back to another edition of Bleeding Green, Bears, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. And a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Bearcats 31-24 winners in Joplin last Thursday night. And a big game at Bearcat Stadium tonight, if you are listening to this today, as as the podcast is dropping against the nationally ranked Emporia State Hornets, who were a... Uh, Almost in the playoffs. Almost beat the Bearcats in Emporia. Khalil Smith, a big interception late in that game last year, sealed it and kept that playoff streak alive for the Bearcats. And, and uh, yeah, you got Braden Gleason. You got Mikey Hohensey, You got the Bearcat defense. And uh, we'll see what happens. The, the 3-3 stack that Emporia State runs on defense. Always an interesting matchup, and it ought to be a big one. It's a Thursday night. And uh, should be a great atmosphere at Bearcat Stadium. Hopefully, you can make it. Lots of stuff to talk about. Going to break down the victory over Missouri Southern, putting the Bearcats at one and O on the season. Going to talk a lot about this Emporia State game. Plenty of guests. You'll be hearing audio from uh, post game and from this week's coaches show. Lots from head coach Rich Wright, also quarterback Mikey Hohensey, running back Jay Harris, and cornerback. Gianni Angulo, who had the game-winning, game-sealing interception in uh, in Joplin. Of course, the Bearcats had to get a first down run out the clock, but that was definitely a big play. It was the only turnover in that game as well. So we'll hear from all those guys. This week's player interview, defensive end and Captain Jake Fisher. Also uh, joining me from Emporia State will be their new play-by-play man, Blake Cripps. You know, Greg Ray has been the voice of him. Of... Emporia State for 36 years, and so that's, uh, he doesn't have anything on John Coffey, who will also be joining me, the voice of the Bearcats, John Coffey, my guest as well on this week's edition of Bleeding Green, and don't forget the Bearcats, according to Eli. That's right, Eli back this week, and we talk about uh, how we did in our pick 'em last week. Spoiler alert, I was 6-0, and and, uh, Eli was not. But in true Eli fashion, he will talk smack like there's no tomorrow. It <laughs> doesn't. Just the confidence of that kid is. Uh, I'm kind of jealous of that, honestly. But uh, anyway, lots of lots of great stuff coming up in this week's edition. And with these interviews, I'm going to try to bring you plenty of audio. That's something I want to add in and do a little bit more of this year. I will not be able to make it to every game but I should be at almost every game. And so um, be bringing you some audio, bring you audio from, uh, from the media luncheon. I said the coaches show, but I meant the media luncheon uh, that happens uh, uh, every Tuesday up at the pizza ranch in Maryville. And so uh, good stuff there. I want to talk a little bit about the game. So uh, before I play any audio clips or anything like that, I kind of want to get into my thoughts of the game and, and uh, I'm, I'm, I have a little bit of, of frustration, not with the Bearcat team. I thought the team, um, you know, was a slow start. But before I kind of get into that, the spoiledness, <laughs> I guess, of uh, of some Bearcat fans that just look for things to be negative about. And I'm not saying people shouldn't have opinions. I'm not saying people can't be critical. Hey, some people are still talking about the 07 <laughs> title game. And coach T talk taking timeouts, you know what I mean. So I mean, hey, it's not like anyone is above a criticism or anything like that. But uh, I don't know. I I just di- I did not see the Missouri Southern game the way I guess a lot of people saw it. the The offense pretty much only stopped themselves. There was kind of some key drops. That was I mean, it's frustrating to watch. Certainly, I'm sure it's even more frustrating if you're on the sideline or on the field. But uh, you know, that was pretty much the only thing that stopped the Bearcats a couple of stats that I want to throw at you 12 of 18 on third down is pretty great but how about this I I want to talk about this offensive line by the way um because you know there was certainly some criticism and and not all the guys had played all the snaps in in the in the fall in that last fall scrimmage and again that's one look at one practice of, of what we get to see but in third or fourth down and two or less the Bearcat offense was six for six, and there were so many keys there. Four for four on third down on that last drive. That that uh, sixteen play, ninety-one yard touchdown drive took eight thirty-nine off the clock. Once the offense kind of got settled in, got some nerves out. that's the first game; mistakes are going to be made. That sort of thing. Really, they didn't have any problems moving the football. There was one three and out in the game, and uh, and I believe. And that third down was was a drop pass, or at least a catchable ball. So it uh but I don't know, like I left that game feeling pretty good about the Bearcat offense. This reminds me a lot. Th- this game and this offense, and this is not going to be the first time that I bring this up on this episode, is reminded me of the 2021 version of the Bearcats. When we led the nation in third down conversions. I'm not saying Jay Harris is Al McKeller, but boy Jay Harris He's a bell cow back, and and he's a big physical back. He's added in. Um, his game is much more real well-rounded. We'll get into that. I have some audio from him on that of, of all the work he's put in in the offseason. You know, his first career catch was the first play from scrimmage. He did a great job in, in um, pass blocking as well. And I think he had four catches, first four catches of his Bearcat career. And that's the thing, if if he's going to be the big part of this, this offense, that's what he needs to do. You know, they the can't be the, you know, if the other team sees Jay Harrison, I guess we're going to run the football. There's not that now. That that is, that is great. That is really, really great to see. And uh, credit to that young man who is uh, still just a sophomore, but is built like... And a, a man now he is solid. It looked like he, he's still massive and still runs over people. Look like he might've, there's, there's an element of quickness in his game that he may not have had last year. I think he might've dropped just, a, just a bit of weight, um, or turned it into muscle. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure which, but that was definitely impressive. I mentioned the offensive line. I got to talk about Mikey because, you know, he, it's a different role for him this year. You know, the last couple of years, even though he's been playing and, and when healthy, he's been the starting quarterback. Braden was the leader. He was the captain. He was the leader. I don't think anybody would question that. And, and there, you know, Mikey played his role and he played it perfectly. Well, he's the leader this year. And I don't think his composure was probably the part that impressed me the most about his game. He made some great throws, great plays. He ran a few times to pick up some key yardage. And, uh, and And keep some plays and drives alive, but his composure, especially on that last drive i don't I, I never saw anybody even hardly act nervous over on the sideline, and I don't think it's a cockiness thing, I think it's a comfortability thing, and that gives me a whole lot of confidence. And the reason I'm talking about all of this stuff, cause there's plenty of criticism out there. I think every, a lot of people were thinking it's a 50, 50 game this week. I don't, I don't see it that way. I mean, I think Emporia is a great team. We'll get into that with my predictions and things. Spoiler alert. I'm going to pick the Bearcats. And and uh, now defensively. Yeah. It was a little bit different, but in, and it's not like you can throw away plays because they have a bearing on the outcome of the game, but you know, you give up, Pass plays of sixty-two and sixty-eight yards; those are not typical things that you see from Bearcat defense. Maybe the surprising part of that is all of the the veterans returning. Pretty much, I mean, there were probably eight or nine guys that played in the secondary that kind of rotated out. The depth at secondary, I think, is maybe it might be the deepest position on the football team other than receiver. And you know, there there were mistakes, but I don't know. I I don't. I'm I'm not a you know, if you listen to this long enough (laughs) that, you know, I'm not, I've, you're never going to hear me be a sky is falling type of person when I'm evaluating this team. I do have kind of an eternally, uh, you know, see things through my green tinted glasses. Um, and I, I, Hey, I, I own that, but I mean, that's just kind of who I am. I tend to focus on positives more than negatives, but I I see all that stuff is correctable. You know, I, I think, you know, it's, Here's the thing that's the most encouraging thing. At no point in the game did Missouri Southern line up against us, make a play and you think, well, those guys are just better than us. I, I that's my opinion. I didn't see that once. And that I think is probably, you know, the best thing. Cuz if that were the case, I think there'd be a little I'd have a different outlook on this week's game. And so I uh yeah, it was it was so uh, my whole point in saying all of that is I don't look at that as, as something bad. I mean, the, the team was very composed. Um, and, you know, they they made plays when they had to. You know, other than, you know, that, that big play in the second half, which will get Coach Wright's thoughts on that, was, you know, I mean, the, the Bearcats had all of the momentum in the second half. That onside kick was a massive play. Um, it definitely they had seen something there because when, they, when Cole just kind of dribbled it up the middle and fell on it, there was nobody within 10 yards of him. Um, and th- that was, uh, and that was big. A touchdown there would have been huge to get, get the lead. But the thing I love is the, the trick play that happened after that. I, I love the aggressiveness of that. Um, now it didn't work out. It was an incomplete pass, like a double reverse pass. Um, And so, you know, it didn't work out, whatever. The Bearcats drove down, kicked a a field goal to tie it at 17 before half. But that was a really, really big – that was a big play. That was essentially a turnover. You know, there was the one interception at the end, but that ended up being basically a second turnover to give the offense the ball right back. And, uh, you know, and and you got a whole new ball game at halftime. But I like the aggressiveness. You get a big play like that, yeah, take a shot. Take your shot. And uh, I – I think th- there's, there's uh, th- this offense is going to look different this year. Certainly there's a comfortability from the guys um, on offense and that that's, that's really exciting. And I'm in mean, good grief. You know, if you can convert, you know, 67% of your third downs, you're going to have a whole lot of success. Um, that's not, I wouldn't say that's going to be the expectation every week, but what in, in 21, we led the nation 51, 52%, something like that, a third down, you know, that, Just being able to hold on to the football and everything. A lot, a lot of positives. Um, And something new that I'm going to do this year, each week, is a player of the game on both sides of the ball. Now, that's not necessarily MVP. This is just me, in my opinion. That's not to say other people didn't play well. I, I would almost pick... So let's go offense first. I would almost pick the offensive line. It was really, really close. Just pick the entire offensive line. No sacks. Only two plays. Went for negative yards the entire game, um, but it's got to be Mikey. I think to me it's Mikey Hohensey, and it has, it has, almost nothing to do with the numbers that he put up, and everything to do with how he led the team, and just kept everybody cool, calm, loose, and composed, and th- there was just no question. Especially in that last drive, that was really, really impressive, and uh, and I think that's spectacular. On the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to go with a guy that I haven't even mentioned yet. The defensive line was able to get pressure. There were some adjustments made. You know, Southern, surprisingly, was able to run the football a little bit early. Adjustments were made to pretty much shut that down. Uh, They were getting rid of the ball pretty quickly. There also wasn't a ton of plays for the defense to pass rush. But Kobe Claiborne, he's going to stick out number 0 on the D-line, listed as 6-foot-tall. No offense, Kobe, but I don't, I don't think so. Um, but the, the way he plays, he was tormenting either tackle. He They were switching sides, him and Jake Fisher, and he was tormenting whoever he was lined up against. And there was, I think he had three quarterback pressures were what the stat sheet says, but there were a, a lot of plays where I just watched him because he was just dominating the tackles and that that's. Spectacular. And he that's uh that that was really great, and I think he de- deserves plotted. So he gets my defensive player um of the week this week. Also got to give a shout out. I don't know that I'll talk a whole lot about special teams, a couple of guys. Dom Myers, Dominic Myers, who has changed numbers this year. Also, he was more of like a slot guy receiver last year, changed to running back, got into play a little bit. His kick returns were really, really good. He's really fast. It was nice to see. But Cole Lammel looked So comfortable and, and, and automatic on his kicks. You know, he led the MIAA in field goal percentage, but was at the other end of uh, percentage wise for extra points. The extra points are the things listen, not that, you know, just about every kicker doesn't miss one or two, that's okay. Um, But boy, that, that was really great to see. And, and, uh, you know, it's something that we talked about kind of previewing the season when I talked to coach Aller. Um, on special teams about adjustments that Cole was able to make with his plant foot that pretty much you know made those extra points a lot more certain than they were last year that was really great to see and got to get had to give Cole a little bit of a shout out there um, well let's talk more about the game let's hear what uh, what some of the players and uh, coach Wright had to save first off coach Wright was really impressed with the composure of the team especially after they got down early
1: they never panicked. Um, you know, it was a it was a stark contrast to a year ago when things would go bad with a bunch of new guys. And, and these guys just, they, they really, they listened, you know, because it was about the next play. It was about the next first down. We weren't worried about the score. Um, you know, so it was a good team win. Our offense executed really well today, so that was fun to watch.
0: It absolutely was fun to watch. Not only that, but just, you know, the consistency that they had. I mean, guys were open. All night long, the receivers were, and you know, other than a few early drops, get some nerves out of that. They were, uh, they were great. I mentioned Jay Harris caught a pass in the very first play from scrimmage. He re- ran for 131 yards on 27 carries and two touchdowns. But those four catches were big. Had a chance to catch up with Jay after the game and kind of asked him about how much he'd worked on the being a more well-rounded player this season.
2: Oh, I worked a lot, just one-on-one with Mikey in the summer, just getting extra work in with the routes, learning routes, stuff I didn't know before, implementing more into the playbook. So it's going to be good going forward.
0: And something else about Jay that you can't question is toughness. He was battling some cramping and things late in the game that uh, I don't know if a lot of people noticed, but he definitely powered through that, came out, ran for that last first down. And, uh, you know, again, like I said, he he didn't get tackled for a loss all game. The Bearcats only had two plays um, of negative yardage all night. And, you know, I mentioned the the third down, okay, 12-18, yeah, that's great. But that six for six on third or fourth down and two yards or less was absolutely massive. I think if you go to four yards, I think it goes to maybe like eight of nine or something like that. Just, just those, the offense was getting such good yardage on first and second down. Even when we'd have a second and 10, you pick up five or six yards and then have third and a little bit more manageable. And that was a big key into that. I think that's, you know, if, if uh, the other thing is complimentary football. That's the thing that the Bearcats played. And you know what? Sometimes that is the most sexy thing. Oh, you know, we didn't have, you know, there were big plays by the offense. KG had a, had a big catch that Mikey threw him in uh, I think for on the first touchdown drive. That was only like a three play, three play drive. But the fact that Southern runs half as many plays as the Bearcats was absolutely huge for the defense. There were a lot of big plays that the Bearcats had the interception at the end. They all kind of started with that onside kick and asked Coach Wright about that after the game.
1: We got the turnover when we needed it. You know, the other big play is, um, you know, we talk about this all the time, is is, you know, coming off the score and they get a personal foul, right? And so we're kicking from the 50. And I saw the big hole in the middle of the field and i said if if they line up like they do on a normal on a normal kick we're middle dribble in this and you know so that took us <laughs> that took us into a tie at halftime and at that point the momentum had definitely shifted um, unfortunately you know which is uncharacteristic of us defensively we gave up two explosive scores that just don't happen around this place the the last one over there was a complete bust we were playing cover 3 um, so it was a three roll. The safety should have expanded over to the vertical, and that should have been dead play. Um, he tried to play in the middle, and and never saw that guy. And and those are mistakes that good football teams, good defensive football teams, don't make.
0: Well, the defense definitely did settle in. I mean, there were some big plays given up, but but they really settled in, and and I was impressed of the run defense. You know, early Southern. Nathan Glades, he was able to run the ball a little bit, and even maybe into the about the first drive of the second quarter or so. And some adjustments were made. And after that, I think maybe definitely after halftime, I don't know if Southern had a carry over three yards. I might have had one. I think there was a, a longer run, maybe seven or eight yards or something like that. But I don't think they had a play a running play beyond three yards after that point. And I had a chance to ask Coach Wright about that. I would love to hear him talk schematics on defense, and he talked about the adjustments that they made to shut down that Southern running game.
1: They did something different than what they had done in the past in the running game, and we we were literally getting torqued out in the B gap, so they were they were bringing the, the zone play to the strong side, and then it was cutting back fast. And so there was a seam in there, and all we did was we just heavied up our defensive end to take that away and make the ball spill outside, and once we did that, we really made that adjustment at half. Okay. Once I kind of got that honed in, then, then their running game pretty much went away.
0: I love that. I love when Coach Wright goes into that schematic stuff and I get to nerd out a little bit. Not that I'm the smartest football guy. I would never claim to be. But it's always fun to kind of hear him talk about, uh, talk about that stuff. Let's talk about the big plays. One, uh, I want to talk about the interception at the end. But first, uh, got a chance to talk to Mikey. And going into that last drive, again, you're backed up on the 9-yard line with there's 11-something left in the game. We know now is a sixteen play, ninety one yard drive, taking eight thirty nine off the clock, four of four on third down on that drive. All pretty impressive. Um, but just of how composed the team was, ask Mikey after the game how what the mood was like on the sideline and then in that huddle during that drive.
2: We knew we just said everyone had to do their one eleven and we just had to execute our plays. No couldn't look forward to the next play or the next play. It's one play at a time. And uh, everyone, if everyone does their job, we know we can be successful. When, we, when we're not having a, a good drive, it's because we're, we're not doing our one eleventh, 11th and we're mentally messing up. So if we can mentally be focused, we know we can execute our plays.
0: Well, now, of course, got to talk about that interception, right? W- what a great play by Jayani uh, Angulo. So uh, just, just spectacular. 5-9, um, I, I don't know. If I'm about five, seven and a half, he's definitely taller than I am, but, uh, he's, he's, he's a new one. Bearcat fans. I was surprised to see him as one of the starting corners, starting opposite Khalil. And, uh, he's from, from, uh, Houston, Texas, went to Katie high school, Played collegiately at Grandview in the NAIA. You know, we had really great, uh, the Bearcats had really great success with the Dedrick Strambler, you know, a guy who was uh, who was also from Texas who came in, got one of those graduate transfers in 2021. Jayani um, is a different kind of player, but boy, there wasn't a bigger play in the game um, than that game ceiling interception, allowing the Bearcats to run out the clock. I had had a chance to chat with him. You know, he's he's a new one. Bearcat fans. He's uh, he's new to Bearcat Nation. Pretty exciting. Excitable guy. Had a lot to say. And uh, he just talked about the work and all the preparation that they do. So when it came time to make a big play, he stepped up and made it.
1: Coach uh, Clayton, every day, he tells us, you know, just trust our technique, you know, trust uh, uh, get winning early off the uh, line when he says, Hut, you know, and that's exactly what I did from the very beginning of the play. I got hands on. I ran with him. Uh, I heard the, uh, the ball call. So, I turned my head and I made a play when it was time to make a play. You know, my team's relying on me. And like I said, I'm very passionate about this. And when I get an opportunity, I have to take it, you know. So that's where it starts.
0: All right. Two things about Gianni is, uh, one, very vocal guy on the sidelines. Love to see that. Love to see it. Two, the hair is spectacular. (laughs) I just love, I love, uh, love his hair. You know, it harkens me back to the days of, of the fro, But uh, great stuff. So, so to definitely positive things, but um, really the whole secondary, I mean, pretty much everybody that went out there, um, you know, not the big plays weren't given up, but those were more assignment issues. And I think talent issues. I don't, I don't think talent is an issue on anything that really happened. Um, And so. There you go. What a great game. It was definitely exciting. I think exciting and a closer game than a lot of people expected. But again, it's like Coach Wright says, week one, you just got to win. And here, and here's another reason why I don't have a whole lot of concern after that game. Look at the last two years. We you know Ford Hayes has been a good team, right? But um, they might have played their best game all year the last two seasons against the Bearcats and then move on to win – what, four and three games in those seasons? So, um, you know, that, uh, I don't know. You know, they they definitely played some of their better games these last two seasons against Northwest, and it was game one. And it's, you know, it's, you just got to win. It's, you're going to make mistakes. There are going to be things like that. I, nothing I saw concerns me that I think it can't be fixed. And so... That's that's where I'm coming from. Listen, I'm not trying to blow smoke up anybody's butt here. Could we lose to Emporia? Yeah, we absolutely could. We could 100 percent lose. We could lose by multiple scores because you know what? Those guys get scholarships and their coaches get paid to coach as well. Uh, Nothing is is owed to us just because we're Northwest. But uh, that's not the way I see this playing out. I, I have a, a comfortability level, a confidence level into this game that uh, I think it's going to be a good game. I think Emporia State's a really, really good team. But I think the Bearcats are going to answer some questions and be ready to roll uh, come kickoff time 7 p.m. tonight. Well, let's take a timeout. I'm going to come back. I've got some more from, uh, from this week's media luncheon from Coach Wright and Mikey. But let's take a timeout. Come back and hear that right after this here on Bleeding Green.
3: Hi, this is Geriatric Football Coach Bob Green, and you're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt.
0: And welcome back in here on Bleeding Green. Still lots to come. Don't forget, we'll be hearing from the voice of the Bearcats on the Bearcat Radio Network, John Coffee, Also voice of the Emporia State Hornets. New voice, taking over for Greg Ray over in Emporia, Blake Cripps. This week's player interview, defensive end, and Captain Jake Fisher. Of course, the Bearcats, according to Eli as well. And got some clips for uh, from this week's media luncheon that I want to play for, for you here in just a moment. One thing, though, I, I do want to mention instead of throwing it at the end, I want to talk about it a little bit here is, is, uh, you know, I have started a Venmo for the podcast. And if you would like to help me offset some of the costs associated with doing this podcast, you can do that at bleeding green podcast is the Venmo and would certainly appreciate that. No pressure again. I'm, you know, I'm trying to add things and then do this thing better. And so no slacking for me. And, uh, anyway, a lot of people have, uh, have, donated and helped out, and that is certainly greatly appreciated. Really, anything you can do to help me grow this thing is great. If you're not in a position or don't feel comfortable giving money, that's okay. I don't take offense to that. Help me out in other ways. Promote this thing. Tell people, tell your friends, Bearcat alums or other, you know, Bearcat students, whatever, parents, um, about this podcast. Share that with them. Share it on Twitter on Facebook wherever and uh, don't forget subscribe and all that good stuff as well just wanted to throw that in there here kind of uh, closer to the middle of the podcast instead of at the end now on to this week's media luncheon some great clips and there's a really good one coming up at the end by the way Um, but first I want to get coach Rich Wright's thoughts on the matchup with Emporia State tonight, and here's what he had to say.
1: Emporia State's a good football team. Um, Garen Higgins, and I've said this for years, does as good of a job as anybody in our league um, getting the most out of his talent. A uh, lot of returners back on both sides of the football for them. You know, for them um, offensively, everything gets driven through the quarterback, who's we're going up against for the third time. Um, you know, they've got lost a couple receivers, but have a couple more back. Uh, offensive line is is new Um, there's several new guys on that so uh, the challenge for us defensively (coughs) is can we get there before the ball gets off and that's always the challenge with Emporia State flip the ball over on the other side Um, I really think the bus gets driven through their defensive line and they got all three of them back Uh, they're a good football team Um, they run that 3-3 and you know that causes people some issues um, you know, we we were really good in the first half of that game offensively and then kind of kind of fizzled out towards the end. So can we put four quarters together? It's going to be great being at home for the first time. You know, anytime you play in Bearcat Stadium on a Thursday night, the atmosphere is usually pretty electric. So looking forward to the challenge.
0: Coach Wright was joined at this week's media luncheon by his quarterback and captain Mikey Hohensey, And Mikey was asked about just what it meant that the team was able to kind of stay positive stay together and uh, and stay focused in that win against missouri southern
2: yeah i mean it's huge because you know a lot of things can happen over the course of a football game and to be able to stay together um and not be so negative on the sideline is huge Uh, we need to be able to come together and have positive communication on the sideline so figure we can figure out what we need to do better, what we need to fix, or it maybe it's just an execution thing, which uh, last week in the first quarter, it was, we just needed to start executing. And um, once we realized that and started getting it going, we were able to click on offense. So it was good to see.
0: Well, all the talk this week though, isn't about Northwest's offense. It's about Emporia State's offense and their quarterback, Braden Gleason. And Coach Wright talked about the challenges that they present to this Bearcat defense.
1: If you let Gleason catch the ball and throw the ball, you're gonna be in for a long day. Um, He is extremely efficient at it. His, His receivers understand concepts. They do a great job with what they do offensively. It's we have to be able to disrupt the timing of their offense. If we can disrupt the timing of their offense, then you allow the defensive line to kind of get into the game and and create some plays for you, um, so that's paramount for us.
0: Well, one big advantage that the Bearcats will have is the crowd on their side, at Bearcat Stadium tonight. The Bearcats are riding an 18-game home win streak. In fact, if you go all the way back to November of 2014, the Bearcats are 44 and two in their last 46 home games. The only two losses, as you remember, eight, 17, and 18 one-point losses to Fort A State. The school record for uh, consecutive home wins, by the way, is 22. So that's uh, you know that's a big one. And uh, Mikey was asked about that, asked about playing not just the home opener, but a night game at Bearcat Stadium.
2: Always excited to get back uh, in front of our home fans, especially on a Thursday night. Night games are usually uh, pretty awesome in Bearcat Stadium. So uh, we're all really excited to get in front of our home fans again.
0: I mean, who doesn't love a night game under the lights at Bearcat Stadium. Well, I'll tell you one person who doesn't. (laughs) It's at the end of this next clip. But Coach Wright was initially asked about kind of the difficulty of having Thursday games, the first two weeks, kind of changing the weekly schedule. But he said this is something they've been preparing for since the very start of fall camp.
1: Everything was built from the day we started camp that thursdays were always landmark days because it is a different day so we've literally been doing this for over a month so anytime we scrimmaged it was on a thursday our off day was friday the transition's going to happen after this game these guys will have friday off they'll have saturday off and then we'll be back in the complex on sunday and we'll roll into a normal schedule other than that no it's really not a big deal the only thing this is just a personal opinion i hate night games uh, I have to wait around all day to play a game. Um, that stinks. Uh, you get no time to enjoy a win. You get no time to. You're you're just kind of right back to the grindstone again. So I'm I'm a big proponent of the 1:30 kickoff times. So that's just go trade.
0: The best part of that, by the way, was after that <laughs> a follow up. From uh, uh, from Colin McDonough, SID at Northwest, about, uh, well, you know, come on, Coach. Uh, it said something along the lines of, come on, you know, go back to 07, Grand Valley, you know, the night game. You don't love those night games at Bearcat Stadium. <laughs> coach Right? basically doubled that no, said, no, I hate, I hate them, and I just told you why. And uh, that's spectacular. And the, <laughs> the reason I wanted to share that is... You know, we get all of these serious questions and answers from Rich and we don't always get to see kind of that personality all the time, which is one of the reasons why, you know, I had him on this last spring, kind of his, his own episode, which is something I'd do, want to do, have been, had been wanting to do, which is great, by the way, if you haven't listened to it. It was a big back catalog of stuff, but that's that's as good of as any of them to listen to that one. and And it's why I like to you know, play clips like this. And, and one of the reasons I want to start trying to play more clips from the media luncheon, because it's a little bit, it's not before or after a game, you know, we're not talking about, Hey, tell me about this where, you know, tell me about this play, tell me about this, with this blown assignment. or or whatever it is, right? We get kind of a little bit more of an informal setting that I appreciate and kind of get to see a little bit more of Rich's personality. So anyway, that was pretty fun. And and (laughs) when I was listening to that, it made me crack up pretty good. So, uh, so lots of great stuff. Well, let's take another break. Boy, there's, there's been a lot of content so far. There's more coming your way. Still going to hear from voice of the Bearcats, John Coffey, voice of the Hornets, Blake Cripps. Next is this week's player interview, defensive end and captain Jake Fisher. That's right after this quick timeout here on Bleeding Green.
1: Hey, this is Mike Peterson, former Northwest Missouri State University Bearcat, tied in number 89, and you're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel.
0: And welcome in here on Bleeding Green. It's time for this week's player interview. Joined by number 95 defensive end Jake Fisher. And Jake, man, thanks so much for taking a little time and joining me.
4: Yeah. Appreciate it. Uh, welcome to be on the podcast. I've heard a lot of great things about this. So.
0: Well, I, uh, I I appreciate that. Well, let's let's kind of get to know you a little bit, Smithville kid. I mean, I, I feel like that's uh, something that a lot of uh, you know, a lot of bear, we consider that local here at, yeah. uh, in Northwest. So, um, uh, and and obviously, we'll get to high school and what a great program the coach has down there and everything. But tell me a little bit about growing up and, and family, siblings, anything like that?
4: Yep. Uh, I got uh, three siblings, two two sisters and a brother. Uh, older sister, she played college soccer down in Missouri State. Uh, I got a brother that's a year younger than me who's actually up here at Northwest right now playing baseball. He just uh, finished up at Coffeeville Community College and uh, decided to come up here and play. And then I got, uh, another little sister who's a senior in high school it's pursuing a volleyball career too. So my, uh, parents did well with, uh, trying to get uh, college paid for through, uh, <laughs> athletics. So right. well,
0: <laughs> were your parents athletes or where'd that athletic ability come from?
4: Yeah. They, neither of them played in college, but, uh, my dad played sports all through high school. And so did my mom. Uh, my mom grew up in Smithville and my dad grew up nearby, uh, he went to North Platte high school. So,
0: okay. So, I mean, all all you kids are playing sports even now, like, is there, um, sports a big part of you growing up Were you guys always playing something?
4: Yeah, I think, yeah, just through the household. I mean, just between me and my younger brother, I mean, we grew up battling it on the basketball court or playing video games and what, what sort of things like that. And yeah, I think that's just kind of a part of how we grew up. Um, Everyone, I mean, everyone seemed to enjoy it because like, they continued to play, but yeah. Sports is definitely a big, big sports family, I would say.
0: When did you first start playing football?
4: I started in fourth grade.
0: Oh, wow. Was it helmets <laughs> and pads, the whole yep. deal?
4: <laughs> it started off helmet, shoulder pads. Uh, I played soccer up until that point, so. I say I get my athletic ability from those my young years of playing soccer.
0: So, was football once you started playing football was it your favorite sport? Or I mean, I know you played uh, were a heck of a basketball player too in high school, but was football always your favorite?
4: Yeah, I think football. If football was a lot different than a lot of other youth sports, uh, basketball you travel, baseball you travel, uh, playing on the weekends, playing a ton of games. And football, you know, it's just those select few Saturdays and yeah I always loved football I think my the love for football really grew once I hit high school I think I always liked uh baseball basketball basketball was always fun uh kind of grew out of baseball kind of got burned out played a little too much when I was younger I think uh, and yeah I think the love for football mostly came uh in high school so
0: well, and, and and I know obviously you're all-state D lineman. You're heck of a tight end too, by the way. Um, what what was your favorite position in high school?
4: Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I'll say uh, D line just for my sake. So Coach <laughs> Light, Coach Wright didn't get too angry. Right, me, but Coach
0: Wright <laughs> liked to hear that. Yeah,
4: the excitement of uh, catching touchdown passes was pretty fun. I, I really didn't play much tight end until I until my senior year, and I got a lot of. Uh, when I was starting to go to camps and stuff and I'd start doing, I'd do D line stuff and I'd start doing tight end. So I was fairly new to tight end. I didn't have much film going into my senior year, but, uh, kind of throughout the year that kind of got involved and kind of started being one of the main targets.
0: Well, before we kind of get into that recruiting process to your high school days, do you have any, whether it's football, basketball, whatever, do you have any favorite, favorite memories, favorite games?
4: Yeah, it definitely revolves around the football games. Uh, Gosh, there's so many memories. I feel like, but my senior year was probably the probably the biggest. Uh, it was the first time I think we won districts for foot for football, and like I don't even know for a t- for a lot a lot of years. And running uh, beat Platt County in the freezing cold to move on. And I don't, I don't remember who we played after that, but we ended up making it to the final four and lost in, to a team in St. Louis. But that was probably my favorite memory from high school is a just a football team and their our head coach he was awesome he came in he came in my freshman year I think he's been there nine years now so uh he just helping me along the way growing and just it was a pretty neat connection and, and I think playing high school too it's just succeeding with the kids that you've grown up and played with like your whole your whole childhood like I, I played alongside those guys once I started in fourth grade and Smithville was a small enough town that most kids kind of stayed together, and we all played the same sports. And uh, it just kind of grew, and it was cool to see success in high school.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, a heck of a heck of a successful program, Coach uh, Ambrosen, right? Yep, is that who it is down there? Yeah, he's he's done a heck of a job. I always like to watch. I kind of follow some of the high school coaches around, and yeah. some guys got some good facilities and uh, other things down there too.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm night and day from when I was there. seems like already yeah. <laughs> Maybe too long ago
0: <laughs> so you can go back and be like, Oh, now in my day, gosh, right, we yeah. had it way tougher. <laughs> so, um, was it always your dream to play college football? No, not,
4: not, not particularly. Uh, I think it really came realistic. Like my sophomore, after my sophomore year season is when I started to, uh, get recruited, and uh, like, my coach told me he's like I think we had like it was like an Iowa State recruiter was down and he pulled me out of class and I was like what's this all about I've never never done this before and he's like well make sure your shoulders are back and heads up high and try and act as big as you can (laughs) it was kind of crazy (laughs) I always love that story of him telling me how it's going and then yeah I really until like and honestly like the the social media is is so big in the, the recruiting world now like Twitter like I really didn't know much about it, but then, like, the first day that coaches could talk to us, it was like, my Twitter was just like blowing up, and like these coaches following me. I was like, "What is this all about?" And I was like, "And it's it's, a, it's pretty pretty neat to get recruited by some of these programs." And I just I just kind of fell in love with it and knew that's what I wanted to do.
0: What schools were you seriously considering when kind of when it came down to it?
4: Um, so most of my recruiting, it pretty much ended my after my senior year i was i had an okay junior year high school but i had a really good summer going into senior year and a lot of coaches wanted to see how well i did um i ended up i got a, a walk on to mizzou i didn't want to take that uh i got an offer to missouri state um western illinois and then abilene christian i uh yeah those are pretty much about I was really in between Northwest and Missouri State this is where I was I think, leaning towards.
0: And were they all, I mean, obviously we know Northwest, D-line, but were they all to play on defense?
4: No, they're actually, uh, I think Western Illinois was tight end. Uh there's some other, other Division II schools that wanted tight end. Uh, Missouri State was D-line, and then here, obviously, D-line as well.
0: What uh, What put Northwest over the top for you?
4: Yeah, I, I visited all those schools, and uh, I think just the interactions I had with the coaches, I didn't have a great connection with the coach down there at the time. I don't, he's gone now, but, uh, and then I came up here, and Coach Wright had, like, a lot of good things to say about me. I took a couple visits, did my official, and then. I think just the the atmosphere here is awesome uh, compared to some of those schools, and even the facilities too. Even when I like first started getting recruited here, we didn't have as much as we do now. But like, I think the environment of Northwest, and then and then the offers kind of came down to for like some money situations, and I really liked my Northwest offer. And uh, actually, my buddy from high school, Brian Boyd, he he was he came in my recruiting class. He had decided not to play uh, this year we decided we were both going to come up here and play and uh, never looked back since.
0: Do you remember, you mentioned your visit. Do you remember your visit?
4: Yep. Uh, My buddy, Brian, he was with me. And then one of my roommates, he ended up not playing again this year, but he thought we, uh, we kind of, I kind of knew him before. And then we all met up at our, our visit and then, yeah, I mean, I can remember that day like it was yesterday. It's it's pretty surreal how fast it goes.
0: What player? Who was your who was your host?
4: Uh, I think it was Zach Howard. Yeah,
0: yeah, not pretty, not a yeah. bad not a bad one. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> Look enough. at the yeah career that guy <laughs> had. Um, so well, let, let's get so you come to Northwest. You you talk about your red shirt season. I mean, there's you know some guys that are probably well, definitely you Keaton Ricky guys that figured in last season. Grant Cooney's another guy from your from your class. Um, what was that red shirt year? Like, um, have any good memory stories from just eating lots of calories and lifting oh, yeah. weights and that sort of thing?
4: Yeah. I think it mostly extends off the football field, but, you know, it's your scout team year. So a lot of, I mean, it's tough to get through a year of playing a scout team. I mean, it's, and it is, it is one of the hardest things I think I did with the, 4.30 a.m. workouts with Joe Quinlan and, uh, the scout, yeah, the scouts. And then, yeah, I just wake it up early and then having class all day and then practice. It was like, just to get through the week was enough. We're just like, oh, finally the weekend. <laughs> so, well, I mean, that was I, I no, say, yeah, one of the toughest things I've
0: had to do here. Gotcha. Well, last season ends up being a breakout season for a lot of guys from your recruiting class. Uh-huh. um, and a fellow captain, Andrew Dumas, you know, Rhett Jordan, Peyton Carter mentioned Keaton, Ricky, um, you yourself, I mean, eight sacks, 13 and a half tackles for loss. I feel like maybe that got lost a little bit with Zach Howard and the amazing season that Elijah had, but what was la- last season like for you?
4: Uh, it was pretty awesome. Uh, I learned so much from all those guys. I mean, it started off, uh, uh, full camp. i I was still kind of trying to find my spot, find my uh, trying to get trying to get on the field, and uh, had an okay first game. Um, and then after that, it kind of just started rolling, and I just kept getting better every single uh, every single week. And I think the game just kind of slow started to slow down, and I got more comfortable out there. And then, yeah, playing alongside Zach and Elijah makes uh, things a lot more a lot easier than uh, than having someone else out there. And they were super encouraging. Zach was awesome. He was, he was usually playing the side with me and yeah, the way he did things is incredible. And yeah, I just pretty grateful to learn from guys like that. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it was just, a, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, it makes all the hard work seem like it finally pays off and uh, you actually get to go out there and do what you came here to to do. So,
0: well, I was playing with those guys. And I mean, even go back a year before with, with Sam Roberts and uh, kind of, how has that prepared you to step up and, and now be a leader as you, as you're a captain yourself?
4: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm grateful enough to have so many of those guys before me. I mean, even start my freshman year, I had uh, Spencer Phillips in the room. He was a great leader, captain, uh, Sam Roberts. He was, he was awesome too, to be in a room with obviously a, uh, NFL draft pick and he's obviously still in the league uh, and then Zach has always been Zach's always been pretty much a, the leader of that room and, uh, and then Elijah again this following year uh, yeah it's just it just gives you a lot of like ideas and how to do things I think we just what's so cool about here is like we've done the same we've done like how we do things the same almost every year and, and just, you pretty much follow in the footsteps of how the older guys did it in front of you. And then it just kind of sets the trend and that's how you do things around here. And I think that's why we've been so successful.
0: Awesome. Well, I, before I ask you the, uh, the pick six here, cause I've got that for you. What what about, uh, what about your major? And then once your football days are over, what's kind of the, uh, what do you think you'd like to do career wise?
4: Yeah, so I am a, an accounting major right now. Um, I'm going to graduate in the fall, hopefully pursue my MBA after after I graduate, play out my next season, and then, I don't know, I'm kind of up in the air after school. Um, I've thought about taking a, taking my CPA exam. I've, I don't know if I want to do that yet or not. Um, I don't know, kind of just open up, up in the air for right now, so we'll see how it goes.
0: All right. Perfect. Well, well, are you ready? I got the pick six, just kind of six goofy questions for you. All right. <laughs> First one's always the same. Are you a superstitious guy? Do you have any like pregame rituals or have to wear the same socks or anything like that?
4: Um, yes, <laughs> I wear the same same underwear for each, every game. Nice. Same exact pair, but I do wash it so. That, Thank so
0: that don't goodness worry about it. your teammates are, are happy about that. All right. What uh question 2 of the big 6. What uh what hobbies do you have away from the football field? What do you like to do to uh, unwind?
4: Uh my favorite is probably going golfing. I love golfing. Uh you can keep your competitive spirits up while playing a challenging game and something fun to do in the summer in my in my off season, so. Probably my favorite
0: thing to do. Well, I mean, going from Smithville to Maryville, that's a cup you got a couple of pretty good golf courses either yep. place. For sure. Uh, okay. Question number three of the pick six. What app on your phone do you spend the most time on?
2: Hmm.
4: Should I say huddle? So watching film all the time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, w- whatever.
0: I'm uh, sure you spend your fair share of time on Huddle. So
4: uh I've gone down the TikTok, TikTok hole. Uh, I spend hours scrolling through TikTok. It's a bad habit, but it's addicting.
0: No, I get that. I understand that. All right. Question number four, the pick six. Who was your favorite football player growing up?
4: Ooh, that's a tough one. Favorite football player. Um, can I say, I guess recently it's been Patrick Mahomes. Uh, other than that, I was a... I was a big Missouri Tigers fan. Uh, I love watching those teams. Uh, I'm just gonna say Patrick Mahomes for right now. All
0: right, perfect. Fifth question of the pick six. You, I you have a job to make the ultimate sandwich. What are you putting on that sandwich? That's tough.
4: Uh, big turkey guy. I like turkey. Uh, extra turkey. You know, gotta gotta get that protein in. Extra calories. So double turkey, um, whatever cheese, probably some provolone, uh, lettuce, mustard, maybe some peppers, uh, some onion. That's probably about it. I'm pretty simple with that.
0: Nice, nice. All right, and uh, all right. Last question of the pick six. If you could be the best in the world at something that isn't football, what would it be?
4: Hmm got to be it's got to be a golfer i feel like that's the dream uh playing golf every day and being the best in the world and they make a pretty decent money now so uh
0: yeah they do okay (laughs) do you have a favorite golfer
4: uh i'd say tiger woods but yeah right yeah probably him.
0: i was in (laughs) high school kind of when he was coming anyway yeah tiger's uh my favorite also Mm -hmm. all right perfect jake well i certainly appreciate you uh taking a little time and coming on bleeding green with me and wish you and the uh, guys the best of luck this season
4: thank you appreciate it
0: Welcome back here on Bleeding Green, joined by the voice of the Northwest Missouri State University Bearcats, John Coffee. And uh, John, man, thanks so much for taking a little time and uh, and chatting with me.
5: No problem. Glad to
0: do it. So well, the the Bearcats, uh, you know, we we knew they had a ton of leaders on offense. They kind of needed them all last week, and starting with with Mikey Hohensey, who uh, led the led the cats back. I mean, it was uh, boy down fourteen nothing, seventeen to seven didn't really see that coming. But one thing I'll say is that they never, and and coach mentioned this after the game, uh, but they never seemed to panic. There never seemed to be any panic or anything on the sidelines. I thought.
5: No. And I think that goes back to something I've noticed through a fall camp and uh, the green White scrimmage where it seems like there's a a bit of an intangible with this group where they they really uh, have come together as a a one unit. And I think uh, that there's a, uh again, the, the culture thing that we talk about so often, you see everybody really has everybody else's back there. And, and I think that that's going to be something that's going to pay off as the season goes along. It truly is a, a team that they have. And, and I think it's going to be fun to watch as we see this uh, develop through the year.
0: Well, and it was boy, you know, kind of the big momentum shift. I think was that onside kick, which um, you know, Coach Wright, not exactly known as a gambler, but it was the perfect thing, perfect time. Southern was lined up in such a way that um, you know they unfortunately weren't able to score a touchdown, but just going into half tied, I think that was a big a big momentum shift.
5: Oh, no doubt about that. And I think that's something that uh, the Coach Wright had talked about that he saw uh, early in the game that uh, there's if they would line up in that same type of formation that there's a huge opportunity there. And it definitely was a uh, uh, Colamo. What a job he did on the kick and then just uh, recovering it as well. I did a, just a perfect job on that. And uh, I think it, again, it was, a, I think momentum had swung a little bit prior to that, but that definitely got the momentum swinging in the right direction going into halftime. And it just came out, put together a very good uh, second half overall, both on offense and defense.
0: Yeah, well, that that last drive was was so big, taking over with 11 minutes left or whatever it was, and 16 play, 91 yards, it converted four of four third downs um, on that drive. And and again, it just seemed kind of cool, calm, collected. And I, that's one thing w- with Mike Hohenson, we haven't seen that from him because he hasn't needed to be that guy. He hasn't needed to be the guy, the leader, but that was really impressive to see him he was cool and calm all day long and, and as well on that last drive. Yeah,
5: and I think you have to credit Mike for the great job he did in the game. But I think overall, uh, just the entire offense, and going back to Todd Sturdy, offensive coordinator, I never did get a sense that they changed a lot of what their game plan was going into that matchup, even after getting behind early, as we talked about. It. I think they just kind of. Kept that same game plan going. They had a nice mix of the run and pass. Uh, Jay Harris had such a great job uh, on the ground, and one of the reasons for that, offensive line uh, did a, a nice job throughout. Didn't allow a sack and gave uh, Harris some lanes to run through. So I think they did a. The offensive line needs to be credited for a, a great job as well. And uh, again, once he made some great uh, decisions as well, didn't try to do too much and. Uh, uh, just, uh, they just were able to uh, move the ball around to a lot of different receivers. I like think nine different uh, players caught passes. And uh, Overall, I think I thought the offense uh, um, finished up what they started to do at the start of the ball game, as far as just their game plan went and uh, executed and had that nice, and really not only that final drive of the game, but had a couple of long drives in the half as well, just keeping the ball out of Missouri Southern's hands.
0: Yeah, there's only one three and out. I mean, the offense really didn't have problems moving the ball all day i think the only thing was you know some drops especially early in the game was uh you know was the only thing to stop the offense other than that you know 31 points okay maybe you know but that definitely doesn't tell the whole story i think anybody that watched that game saw that the offense was able to do pretty much whatever they wanted to do
5: Well, you look at it uh just uh the play totals uh northwest ran 80 plays in that game compared to 40 for missouri southern so they did a great job ball control, and then defense did their job as well, only allowing four first downs in the second half, even for Missouri Southern.
0: Yeah, other than that big play, Southern once the adjustments were made, Southern wasn't able to, uh, um, you know, do a whole lot offensively, and especially you know that we saw him run the ball a little bit, um, you know, early in the game. Adjustments were made defensively, and that pretty much stopped. And uh, I don't know, you know, I, we talk about this a lot you and I do off air, but of, you know, some spoiled fans, however we want to say, you know, that, that kind of criticize, always looking for something to criticize. And I I just didn't see that. I mean, I I don't know, as as this game went along, I mean, anything can happen. Anybody can win. We know that you make mistakes, whatever, but it just seemed like as the game went along that Northwest was going to make plays and win. And my heart of hearts, that's kind of how I felt this game and felt it playing out.
5: Well, I did too. I, you look at the first half, again, Missouri Southern start quickly on a couple of big plays early, and one of the reasons for that, they had all year to prepare for Northwest, and no, really, you look at uh, that first game of the year, you don't have a lot of tape on the other team, and uh, they came out and showed some things that they hadn't done at all last season, so once uh, Northwest made a couple of adjustments, so they really clamped down to Missouri Southern and shut down one of the better running backs in the MIAA, Nathan Glades. He really did nothing after the first uh, uh, quarter, maybe even did the second quarter a little bit. He had a bit of success, but after that, uh, he wasn't a factor in the game, and uh, they really made uh, Missouri Southern a one-dimensional team the rest of the way.
0: Yeah. And, and even though the defense didn't get any sacks, I mean, they were getting rid of the ball pretty quickly. Kobe Claiborne is somebody, man, he was terrorizing both of those tackles for Missouri Southern all, all game. I mean, again, no sacks, but they were getting rid of the ball so quickly. And I assume that's probably something we'll see again this week. But, um, and other than a couple of big plays that seem to be just kind of breakdowns in coverage, um, you know, that, I don't know, to me, that that's all correctable stuff. Mistakes wise.
5: Yeah, I, I think so. And uh, and that's to be regardless of who the team is, uh, you'll see that from game to game. It's just a matter of uh, recovering from uh, missed coverage or a breakdown here and there. Uh, that's going to happen regardless of uh, whether it's Northwest or Lincoln. You're going to have that happen from game to game. And it's just how you recover from. Those type of mistakes is what's the difference between a winning team and a losing team. And Northwest found a way to recover and regrouped and took care of business the rest of the way.
0: Well, well, uh, of course, the Bearcats' opponent this week, Emporia State, and Braden Gleason, boy, he went off Emporia. They, they played Lincoln, so I'm sure that's some of it. But we know Braden Gleason's one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and. uh, You know, the Bearcats have had some success, but he found some success last year. I'm sure the Hornets will be kind of uh, mad at that game, lost out in Emporia. Um, We know the stats. Yep, Emporia hasn't beaten Northwest since 1994. Um, You know, since none of the kids playing in the game, you know, were even born the last time that happened. But this is a good, this is a pretty good Emporia team. In fact, a really good Emporia team. Um, You know, how do you kind of see... The, you know, Emporia had a great game. Northwest definitely has some improvement, but we're at home. Um, But, but to talk about Emporia first, I mean, they, they were pretty impressive last week.
5: Yeah, well, they were, but again, it was, uh, I hate to downgrade their opponent, but it was Lincoln. So, so Lincoln's going to struggle throughout the year. But uh, I think the rookie is, uh, and granted, it's early in the season, but you could, they were able to get a lot of players in the game, and they give some of their starters a little bit of a rest there in the second half even. So they're, they're going to come in uh, fresh and ready. And I know you look at a, a very veteran team that they have. Uh, they yeah. go back to that last game, and the Northwest went over Emporia last year, kept Emporia out of the playoffs. So uh, they they went into that last game with an opportunity to maybe get in. So uh, I'm sure that that's something that they'll be pointing with this current group. But even you go back through that streak, you talk about that Northwest has uh, had wins over Emporia State. It's, it's a, I think, a more impressive streak than what Northwest has over Missouri Southern because Emporia through the years has had some playoff teams and had some very good squads with some great quarterbacks through the years, and Northwest somehow has just found a way to win, and a lot of times in a blowout fashion, although, again, last year was a close one down the line, down the line and they've had some close games as well, but uh, it, it's been um, one of those uh, streaks. It's just kind of hard to put your finger on because you think – one of those years when um, Emporia State had uh, good teams that they find a way to get it, get it done, but uh, Northwest has found a way to just kind of beat them back just a bit. And of course, every year is a little bit different. And I think this is probably one of the best teams Emporia State has fielded when you look at experience on both sides of the ball. So it should be a heck of a matchup.
0: Well, what do you, you know, looking at? Looking at the Bearcats? I mean, I expect again, you know, offense didn't turn the ball over last week. Mentioned the one three and out, the the uh, third down. 12-18 on third down um, was impressive. Kind of reminded me of the offense two years ago when, when the Bearcats led the nation in third down percentage and were just kind of solid. I mean, Jay Harris and Al McKeller are not the same player, but it seemed like from last week, you know, maybe Jay Harris can can be that sort of bell cow. He's kind of being forced into that role with injuries ahead of him on the depth chart, but boy, he definitely showed up last week, kind of showed how how he has grown. Um, it... Gives you know, even though, yeah, there were struggles, of course, last week. I think the Bearcats can bounce back in a pretty big way. And, and people that were critical, I think, are going to be surprised probably at how well they play this week. That's my opinion.
5: Yeah, I, I think, and when you'll see, you see uh, uh, tip clean coaches say this uh, every year at this time the biggest uh, uh, area of improvement from uh, week to week is from week one to week two. And I think you'll see that out of this uh, Bearcat team. Jay Harris, I think, had a very positive game, uh, and to me, though, but he kept took care of the football very well, and he uh, was just tough to bring down. And he's showing, uh, to me, I, I think, a little more speed than he showed last year. Even to where I think he's uh, hitting his holes a little bit quicker, and even when he gets outside a little bit, he can uh, he's he's got some burners there that uh, might surprise a few people this year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, as you look at this game, for, for the Bearcats to come out on top, what, what do you look as kind of the keys to uh, to this game?
5: Well, I, I think it, probably with about every game, but uh, you look at uh, what uh, uh, Emporia State does uh, offensively, the big key is not to give up a big play and try to force a turnover here or there. Uh, in line like Last year in Gleason, uh, really did a nice job of not throwing interceptions until the Northwest game and Bearcats were able to pick him off, uh, I believe, three times, if memory serves me right. So uh, if they can make uh, Gleason uh, be bothered just a little bit, it's going to be tough to get sacks on him with this quick release that he has in the way Emporia State does their uh, uh, their offensive scheme. So at least, yeah, make him be pressured when he gets those passes away and then and hopefully get a turnover or two. And then on the offensive side uh, – Uh, Again, going back to last week, don't turn the football over and uh, just play Bearcat football, and I think some good things will happen.
0: Sounds good. Well, John, as always, appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
5: All right. Sounds good.
2: Hey, this is former Bearcat utility knife Jordan Grove, and you are listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. Go Cats.
0: And welcome back in here on Bleeding Green, talking about the Emporia State Hornets and getting a view from the other press box. It's new voice of the Emporia State Hornets, Blake Cripps, taking over, of course, for Greg Gray, who for the first time in 36 years had a new person, and it was you, Blake, calling the calling the Hornets and the and the Blue Tigers of Lincoln last week. How uh, how did that go? And what's I assume it's been just kind of kind of crazy getting uh, getting settled into everything.
6: Yeah, it it really has been, you know, going into it last week, you've got a lot of, there's, there's some nervousness just because I, I don't know on this side of the border, uh, I feel probably a lot like Brian Haney did walking into Bob uh, Davis's chair, replacing him as the voice of the Jayhawks after 35 years. Now Missouri fans, they may not get that as much or they may have gagged a little bit, but um, you know, for, for me, you know, replacing a guy like Greg, who's such an icon in this community and has done such a great job. You know, there's there's definitely some pressure there. You want to do a good job. I think it went well, and you know, just like the team, I know Coach Higgins is hoping that they get better. And I had a first time color analyst as well, so you know, we're hoping that we're going to get better each and every week and continue to improve. But it was a lot of fun, and and Deporia State has been so welcoming to me. Coach Higgins has been very gracious in terms of giving me access to practice and. The locker room and, and coaches, Don Weiss, the SID, has been amazing. My coworkers at Emporia's radio stations have been very welcoming. So, yeah, it's, it's been great. I'm, I'm ready to get back on a Saturday schedule. Because, you know, learning operations and doing all the other extra stuff I'm doing, uh, it's been a lot of time and a lot of long hours and long weeks. And and getting back on a Saturday schedule, I think, will we'll do good. But, you it, know, it's always nice when you come in as as the new voice and, and you get a big win. That that always makes it a lot easier. A lot easier than starting with a loss, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, well, let's talk about the game. 56-10 to over Lincoln. But I don't even know that that tells the whole story. It set a school record for passing yards. Braden Gleason was in. You know, midseason form, 442, five touchdowns. He ran for another. Uh, Just talk about his performance. Boy, it it seemed like the team and especially Braden was, was ready to go last Thursday.
6: Yeah, they were a little bit surprised offensively that they were as open as they were because they felt like Lincoln was really trying to take away the run in that game, which if you've watched Emporia State for any length of time, you know that the run game is just kind of seasoning in the offense and that they will do it, and if you give it to them, they'll take it. But that's kind of the reason why there wasn't a whole lot of rushing. and Lincoln had quite a few guys in the box, and they were giving up kind of the mid-range you know, in that five to 15 yard range where the passes that Emporia state was getting. So, you know, Gleason's not a real um, selfish guy and and doesn't have to take shots for his own ego. He was very happy to take the check downs and his uh, receivers made a lot of yards after the catch on, you know, breaking tackles. Uh, Tyler common had four touchdown receptions. So uh, Gleason just did an excellent job of reading the defense he completed his first eleven passes. I think he went forty-two for forty-nine. First Hornet to ever get five touchdown passes in back-to-back games. He did that in the Live United Bowl to wrap up last season. So yeah, in terms of the the passing game, we didn't really get to see much of the running game. Um, so I don't I don't know if that's in midseason form yet or or not. I mean, certainly statistically, if, as you go back since. Coach Higgins went to this offense about, oh, I think they told me it was about 10 or 11 years ago is when they kind of changed to go to this really up-tempo, you know, what Eddie Longcheck likes to call 21st century football from Pitt State. Um, you know, since they've done that, they've been certainly statistically more pass-heavy. Um, but so I don't, I can't give you a really good gauge on the run game just because Lincoln tried to take that away and they did. but. Um, Boy, the passing game was extremely, extremely effective and and Gleason was very on point. Most of the problems that Emporia State had was penalties and they did have some penalties that took them out of drives and took them out of rhythm in the first and the second quarter, late in the first, early in the second. But uh, past that, uh, the Hornet offense was looking pretty well in sync uh, in week one.
0: Well, and Gleason, we know he likes to get rid of the ball quickly. And, and, uh, even though, you know, yeah, it was Lincoln still the first game you, you want to get, uh, want to get everything squared away, but to only give up, you know, throw the ball that many times as, as a team, what 57 times and only give up one sack. That's uh, that's pretty impressive. The offensive line, I'm, I'm guessing had a pretty good, pretty good game as well.
6: Well, they were really good last year too. I mean, they led the league and only given up, I think 11 sacks all last year. So that's pretty much on their average they give up one sack a week and these guys really really care about their quarterback and Dante Smith Posey was on my guest on Hornet Talk our weekly coaches show this week uh, to get set for the game on Tuesday he's one of the veterans on this offensive line he's played every position on the line in a game and every position in practice he's been everywhere except for right guard and he you know he just told me like we Part of it, it's, it's twofold. First of all, I just really like Braden Gleason. They don't want to see him get hurt, they know how important he is. But also, the other thing, too, you have to remember is... Because Emporia State's wanting to play so fast, it's a lot faster to get the next play snapped when your quarterback is upright, whether that's after a pass play in the pocket or a bootleg. Uh, if you have to get him up from the bottom of the pile, that's going to limit the ability to run plays quickly. So that's not just a focus because they like the guy and they want him to be healthy, and which both of those are true, but – Part of it is just because they, in order to run this system that Coach Higgins wants to run, they've got to get plays snapped as fast as possible. That they believe that gives them an edge in that, you know, department of the field and and, in that area of the game. So, you know, the faster you can get plays snapped, the more plays you run, the more success they think that'll have, they'll have. And uh, helping them do that is keeping the quarterback clean and off the turf allows him to get the play quicker and get things organized at the line quicker for the next play.
0: When you mentioned Tyler Commons, four touchdowns, but five guys had at least five catches, four guys at least 70 yards receiving. I mean, that's, you know, we know Jalen Varner and and Common, but um, boy, the the uh, I don't know, you know, I think that's going to be a problem for the rest of the MIAA to, uh, you know, to have that many options is certainly a a big benefit for for Braden and coach uh, Coach Higgins.
6: Yeah, a lot has been made of the guys and there you know, there's some really good players, Thomas Schumacher that that are gone off last year's team. But you know, maybe the connection between Common and Gleason's, it might be pretty good too. I don't know. Four touchdowns seems to indicate that they've got a pretty good connection too. I asked Tyler Common about that, and yeah, they've. I mean, Common's been in this program a long, long time as well, and he's caught a lot of balls from Braden Gleason. And there's a there's definitely a comfort level between Varner and and Common and Gleason. Uh, Zion Jones is another guy who's probably going to get the bulk of the third receiver reps. He's at the Z receiver for Emporia state this year. And yeah, those guys know exactly where they're supposed to be exactly what they're going to do. They put in a ton of work in the off season and there, there've been some young guys who have come in. A lot of those guys got to play. Uh, You had Zimmerman and Barnard at the stinger back and Schultz came in and made some nice plays at the backup wide receiver position. And they had 13 guys catch a pass in the first game i i don't know you know i didn't track across the country but i have to imagine it's got to be in the top one percent in terms of number of receivers catching a pass and certainly when you're up you know by 40 plus in the fourth quarter you've got a chance that you run some other guys in that maybe you wouldn't if it was a close game like maybe this week is going to be between emporia state and northwest but yeah i, I know that the coach higgins was hoping to build some depth after losing some you know, really, really good receivers last season and you know hopefully they took a couple of steps toward building some of that depth with the guys that they got to play in the win in and in, in week one over LU.
0: Well, Blake, the next thing I want to talk about is defense. Because I think if you know if Emporia is going to put themselves in the, you know, in in the you know, up there with Pitt State, with Northwest, I mean it's gonna be how the defense plays. The defense looked pretty good. They had a long touchdown and that was pretty much it. How how do you um, see or how do you evaluate how the defense played last week?
6: Well, yeah, you you don't get to take any plays out of of the ledger and of the stats. Um, I can do that because I'm the play-by-play guy, and you know what, <laughs> I'm not having to coach the team like the defensive coordinator, Coach Laporto, is. Um, but obviously, in a game, you don't get to do that, and one play can make a big difference. How you know last year in in the Northwest and Emporia State game, it was a play on defense that made a big difference at the end of the game. Um, But if you do take out that one play, that 85-yard run where, you know, Coach Higgins said, you know, we had pretty much the exact defense that we wanted to have called, called, and we just missed an assignment there on what we were supposed to do. If we make, you know, if we're in that assignment, it certainly doesn't go, maybe it still goes for a good game, but it definitely doesn't go for 85 yards. Um, Yeah, if you take that out, I mean, the rushing yards they gave up go down from six yards a carry to just over four yards a carry the total offense goes way down. You don't get to do that in a game. Every play counts, but they feel like they, they, it was good for them to take a punch for one and, you know, go through some adversity, some unexpected adversity. You know, most people probably did not think that Emporia State and Lincoln was going to be a seven, seven ball game, but it was, but after that, the defense definitely, you know, battered down a little bit and, and, you know, closed things up and gave up just three points the rest of the way. And Lincoln really only sustained one other drive at the end of the first half as Emporia State was trying to go in up 28-7, to 7, which they did. Lincoln got it into the red zone and a big interception by Montrell Wilson uh, to take it away inside the five-yard line. Uh, that that gave the defense a ton of momentum going into the second half. And at that point, Lincoln was pretty well cooked and and didn't get much at all, if anything, going in the second half giving up just that field goal so certainly some things to to work on gonna get some some healthy guys back who didn't start in in week one that'll certainly help but I think overall coach laporto and, and and something that I talked about with some of the guys in our room here as we've gotten ready this week. If you're going to have a big play mess up like that, probably want to do it week one against Lincoln, probably better to get that out of the way and not do that week two against Northwest or, or the rest of the season. So if you're going to give one up week one, you're still figuring things out probably the, just as good a time as any to do it, especially when you win the ball game by 46.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, so what's been the focus this week? I mean, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm sure that game last year is fresh in the minds of, of all of the guys coming back. You know, interception in, inside the ten, I think, uh, to to end it last year, and in a game that Emporia had kind of seized the momentum in the in the fourth quarter, especially um, of that game. What's kind of been the focus this week, and and what Coach Higgins and the and the staff and players have talked about?
6: Well, one thing that they have talked about is that they want it to be just another game. Because, you know, a point that they've made is Northwest is going to treat this just as another game, most likely. I don't know what it's like to be in a program that basically feels like if they don't win the national championship every year, it's a failure. Um, You know, Coach Wright kind of told me that in in our pregame that we did is they view every game as, you know, if you don't win, then you failed um there's not a lot of football programs that have the license or the you know the prestige and the the results to be able to do that most times you just have to you know play the play your best and sure sometimes you'll fall short but to be every game either yeah, the win or failure that's probably only a, a luxury that you know maybe ferris state and northwest missouri and very 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 few programs would hold themselves to um so for emporia state's perspective You know they know exactly what the record is, and the record is bad um, against Northwest Missouri. It's two and 36. Coach Higgins has never beaten Northwest Missouri, so they're they're you can. It's very easy to say on Hornet Talk. Oh, it's just another game, and we're just going out to play football. And you know, it. Uh, you know, they put their cleats on the same way, and all this, all these other tired cliches. But these guys are living, breathing human beings with a you know with souls, and they understand exactly that that it is therefore They understand what last year's loss cost them, how close that they were, and that the series hasn't gone well, particularly since the two teams joined the Mi So, you know, Coach Higgins has said in the locker room, hasn't really noticed a big difference. They're not talking about Northwest. They don't have a whole bunch of stuff, you know, pinned up on the bulletin board about beat the Bearcats and all that. It's just kind of the same. They still joke around. But he says he has noticed in practice, not that you don't want them focused, even if they were playing the Emporia High Junior High team this week you know you'd still want them focused but he said they have looked crisp in practice and they have been focused and attentive to detail and getting on themselves if they do make a mistake in practice that's been what he's noticed is that in practice and in game film uh, these guys appear to be really locked in for this game and so yeah i think they're saying the right things that it's just another game and they're going to treat it as just another game but i think You know, to a man, they would tell you that this is is slightly more and and maybe even a lot more than than just a regular game.
0: So, you know, obviously it's going to be a big win to beat Northwest, especially in Maryville. If Emporia is going to get that done, done, what do you think the keys to victory are for the Hornets?
6: Well, one thing that the guys have talked about a lot is uh, the secondary for Northwest against the wide receiving core of Emporia State. And they feel like that those are two groups that could be strengths of each unit of the team, even though, you know, we just talked about how the wide receiving core has had a little bit of um, some inexperience compared to what they have had. But as you mentioned, Varner and Common, and there are some other guys I think that that can play well. They've talked about the physicality of the defensive secondary for Northwest and what, you know, what they think is going to, you know, what they're going to bring to bear in the game. And so they think in order to get into their routes and to get open, if this passing attack is going to be successful, they have got to be able to match the physicality and get free. Um, You know, if they're getting held in the first five yards where that's legal, they've got to get into their break and get open. So that's the big thing that the guys have talked to me about is they feel like, you know, making sure that the wide receiving core for Emporia State Wins that battle against the defensive back core for the Bearcats. Uh, that's a matchup that I'm going to be watching in our broadcast on the radio. Um, that, that I'm very interested to see is is how that plays out between some veteran guys for for Northwest and some veteran guys for Emporia State battling it out there in the passing game.
0: Yeah, I think you're right on with that. Well, well, Blake, that's all. Uh, that's all the time um, I had got for you. But I certainly appreciate you coming on and and uh, hopefully I. I don't have any doubts we're going to have a pretty good game and and wish you guys uh, safe travels uh, to and from Maryville
6: I appreciate it thank you
0: And welcome back in here on Bleeding Green Time for the Bearcats according to Eli Eli buddy what do we got going on this week?
3: Nothing. No, I'm joking. The Bearcat game.
0: Mhm. How about the Bearcats last week?
3: They did. They did pretty good. That was. It was fun to watch them.
0: Yep, they pulled it out at the end, huh?
3: Uh huh. But if we did like that, I'm not saying we did bad. We did really good. But if we beat them hardly, I'm not sure about Pitt. But there's practice. I mean, I'm not sure about Emporia, but there's been practice practice since, so mm-hmm. I think that we're going to win.
0: Yeah. Some people were a little down on the Bearcats, but I think, you they're know, wrong. it's first game. Yeah, I agree. They're wrong. I think they're also wrong. But, uh, <laughs> but there's, uh, you know, it's first game of the season. It's, uh, you know... Missouri, uh, Missouri Southern was had probably been, you know, had been waiting on this game all off season, and they got some talented guys too. Mm -hmm. But
3: they they put up a real match. Mm
0: -hmm. What'd you think first game at uh, down in Joplin, Missouri Southern? It was also my first game down there as well.
3: They have a decent stadium. It's not the greatest. It's not
0: great. It isn't. The thing that was nice was um, the sight lines. It, it was easy to see, especially from the visitor side. Yeah. You you could pretty much see everything. Uh, that part of it was nice. And uh, shout out to my Uncle Mel and my cousin Brad, who, one, listened to the podcast, but two, uh, came and watched the game with us. So, and sympathies to my cousin Brad, who's a Southern alum. It wasn't uh, so great of a night for him, but it was a good night for the Bearcats. Yeah. So, so... The question is, and I haven't mentioned this yet, but uh, John Dykstra put the players on the spot after the game as we were talking. uh, I think he asked all three of the different guys we were talking to to make their case for to be Eli's favorite player.
3: Yeah, I remember that. Mm -hmm. They all had uh, awesome answers.
0: (laughs) So, are you any closer? Do you have a deadline on when? Because you haven't have. Do you know yet?
3: I have a few in mind, but I think I'll separate my favorites on offense and defense. Okay. I will never have a complete favorite.
0: Are, are you ready to do that this week, or do you want to wait one more game?
3: I'll wait as many games as I want.
0: All right, that's fair. I'll
3: surprise everybody.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt.
3: <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Well, so how do you feel about this week's game? Bearcats, Emporia. Emporia had a good game. Now it was against Lincoln. But still, they set a school record for passing yards.
3: Yeah, um, I'm surprised Lincoln scored. I know Lincoln's not terrible. I, okay, I mean Lincoln's terrible, mm-hmm. but... Uh, no, they shouldn't have scored. Okay. When they go against us, they're not scoring, and if they do, it's going to be 80-something. To like seven or fourteen, <laughs> they'll be lucky if they get through our defense.
0: Uh, well, I think our defense will be in midseason form by that by that time,
3: and we'll absolutely destroy them.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, so you ready to talk about uh, last week's pick'em results?
3: Let's. That's in the past, okay? <laughs> let's put the past in the past, oh. and let's think about the present. <laughs> that instead. was
0: that was like the perfect thing. I don't know that you could have said anything better. That tickled me. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, the new games, not the old. We'll, ones. we'll talk about the new games. Uh, now okay. we got to we got to talk about last week's games. Oh, we were on. both way off on Hayes. Fort Hayes beating Northeastern State fifty-six to nothing. You got two things. One, it's week one. I don't know. I I, I still don't feel like I know where all of the teams in the MIAA um, are going to kind of shake out with some week one performances, but it's also Northeastern State. We know they're not great. A lot of people were talking about maybe that was their chance to win an MIAA game. Well, if that's any indication, it ain't happening. Um, What
3: about Lincoln? Don't they have Well, expertise?
0: they're not in the MIAA anymore. Now, we're all, except for Pitt. Pitt doesn't play them, but the rest of us are all playing them.
3: Northeastern State?
0: No, Lincoln. Northeastern uh-huh. State will play Lincoln, but I was just talking in conference. They should win that game. Northeastern State should win that game.
3: Actually, when that comes, I'll say my opinion on that. Let's let's save the other games for later. Sorry, I jumped ahead.
0: <laughs> no, that's okay. So, uh, yeah, 56 nothing. we were... Uh, um off on that one northeastern State just wasn't able to do a whole lot offensively obviously they didn't score but not a great game the pitt game 34 to 7 over Washburn that really surprised me now there's you have to look at the, I know you're you got to look at this game through a lens it was 13 to seven going into the fourth quarter and Washburn had some turnovers um but Pitt Surprisingly, they ran the ball very, very successfully. They had some short fields as well, and a defensive touchdown. But uh, that's that was a pretty impressive performance from Pitt. I I'm not as I'm I'm more surprised by the score because I really thought that was going to be a good game. I called it one of the games of the week, and I couldn't have been more wrong on that. Um, it was
3: not the game of the week.
0: It definitely ours was,
3: not. was. Our, ours was ours ended up being a very very good
0: game. Um, we'll get to that one. Central at Mo West. So so we both picked Hayes and Pitt. and Central at Mo West. It was uh you thought 14 to 7 Western. Whew. It was definitely not a defensive battle. Central Missouri wins forty-five thirty-eight. And a name that we may want to pay attention to in the MIAA is um Zabrowski, the the quarterback. For Central, he looked very, very good. He had a he came in for um Zach Zabrowski. Case Case Cedric, Cedric Case had got injured. Zabrowski came in 385, five touchdowns. Uh, Western was able to score, um, but. And, and made it a game. They tied the game in the fourth quarter. It was a great game. I thought that would be a great game. It definitely was. But that was our first, our first difference, and gave uh, Mr. Eli here his first loss in the pick. Emporia beat Lincoln 56 to 10. We're both pretty close. I had 56 17, and you had 58 to three. That's that was pretty close on that one. Um, UCO and Carney. That was another difference of picks where you had picked Carney pretty uh significantly 3414 UCO 1 2421 I will say about that game um, TJ Davis had 61 yards rushing the the rest of the team had 27 that that's a problem that that's the games will not be that close if uh, Nebraska Kearney doesn't get that fixed they only had 14 first downs um, and in over 38 minutes of time of possession for uco and so um, that carney hung in there and they played well but i think they are going to have to get more uh, production out of tj davis on the ground game which was one of my concerns changing coaching staffs other things anyway so i had 21 17 i was pretty close on that one but uh, northwest missouri southern i was way off i thought southern was going to Struggled to score against us. I had thirty to six. You had thirty-two to nine. I mean, it was thirty-one twenty-four. It might have been the game of the week. Bearcats with a touchdown, with two twenty left to win that one. So, week one in the pick 'em. Yours truly, six and zero. Eli four and two, buddy.
3: That's gonna change this time. If we have any disagreements, I'm gonna be right. And if we <laughs> have any agreements, I'm gonna be right.
0: There were three of us though. That- we're uh, six and zero, oh, I believe, in the in the forums. Pick them. So, just got to got to throw that out there. Whoever chose with me
3: is a genius,
0: <laughs> and they should have been right. <laughs> All right, so let's go to this week's pick. Them, Missouri Southern at Washburn. A lot of people really high on Missouri Southern uh, and really low on Washburn. I I don't I don't think so. I'm not. Uh, I am gonna. Say hey. it was because of week one.
3: Oh, sorry, sorry. I thought you were making your predictions.
0: No, I'm not making my prediction okay. yet. I mean, all my predictions are written down over here. I have, I have already made them. But uh, I think Washburn's going to win this game. I'm going to go Washburn 28, Missouri Southern 20. I think it's a. I think it'll be a good game. I think Southern is definitely improved. Uh, I don't think. Again, I think that the. Score of the Washburn Pit game is a bit of an aberration. Um,
3: you made your prediction,
0: but there's my prediction. What do you think, Eli? You gonna you gonna go with consensus? Seems to be Southern in this game. I'm I'm not sold yet. They win this game, I'll be sold. What do you think?
3: I'm a hundred percent sold. And remember, I'm going first next time. Okay. Anyway, uh, I'm definitely sold. They're. Performance against us surprised me. Mm-hmm. I'm going with Missouri Southern.
0: Okay. What you, what's your score?
3: Hmm. I think it'll be pretty close. So, let me do some quick thinking. Just speed run thinking. <laughs> 24? hmm To 14. A touchdown, an extra point, Win.
0: Okay, twenty four fourteen Southern says Eli Pitt is at Hayes. Pitt going Pitt. Okay,
3: that that's quite obvious. Pitt's like the best, other than us, of course.
0: Mm-hmm. What's your score then?
3: Uh this is. I think they'll like beat them by a pretty nice portion. Thirty one. To seven.
0: That's pretty close to my score. I have Pitt thirty to ten. I, again, Hayes. If they play this as a close game, I'll I'll be a little more sold on them. I I'm not as high on them. If there's several people that think this is going to be a close game. I, I'm not sure. I think it could be a close game, but I think Pitt is just a way ahead of of Hayes at this point. All right. Well, that's, we're going to save Northwest to the end. We've got three Thursday games, three Saturday games. So now we're going to go to the Saturday slate, which is nice. If, if you like me have the MIAA network, you can watch some Saturday games. And so I, uh, we'll see. I may, may check these, some of these out. This one is going to be my, probably my game of the week. Um, I think Washburn Southern could be good. Obviously Emporia Northwest, that should be a great game, but Central Oklahoma at Central Missouri. Battle of the former Bearcats and Adam Dorrell and Josh Lamberson, their coaches. Central, big win last week. UCO coming off a big win. What do you think, Eli? UCO at UCM. UCO. Okay. What's your score, my friend?
3: Mm, I think I'm going to go with 14. To three, I know that's a little mean, but I think their defense will be better.
0: That that would be impressive. Central, I think, is they're starting to kind of, I don't know. I don't know how much was uh, was the matchup against Missouri Western last week. Are they, are they going to score 40 points a game? Probably not. Um, I don't think they're going to score three points this week, though. I have UCO winning this game on the road, 24-17. to 17. I do think it'll be more of a defensive battle, but I think at this point in UCO's development under Coach Doral, that's okay. That's how they're going to have to win these types of games this year. There won't be a whole lot of shootouts. I don't know if they have the offensive firepower to do that. But Central didn't exactly stop Western last week either. So, all right, both of us going with uh, with UCO. Northeastern State at Nebraska Kearney.
3: Okay. Well, this is obvious I'm gonna choose Nebraska Kearney. Mm-hmm. But I'm angry. Why's that? I used to just look up to them because the first or I think it was the first year I started they were on the media thing that I would always look at. How the media ranked the teams. They mm-hmm. were in second mm-hmm. that time. And I always thought of them as a good team ever since until now. Now I don't think of them as much as a good team as I used to.
0: Nebraska Kearney?
3: Yes. They're
0: They're co- coach Josh Lynn was I think a big part of that. I don't think they're going to fall retire? off the face of the earth, but he went to a different school. He's at West Texas another oh. D2 school. Well. So, all right. So, going with Kearney, what's your score?
3: Well, Northeastern State's not, you know.
0: Yeah. Uh, like come. I said, I don't think they're gonna win any MIAA games. They might beat Lincoln, but that's an out-of-conference game, anyway.
3: Three, not that's the losing score. Three, two, thirty-one.
0: I think you're low on that score. I'm gonna go forty-two to seven, Carney. Ooh, I think yeah. TJ Davis is gonna go crazy, Ooh. and uh, and it may be worse than that. I mean, if Hayes beat him fifty-six to nothing. You know what I mean? Okay. Carney's better than Hayes, in my opinion. So.
3: I I'll agree with you that.
0: Now, who knows? We, you you can't always week one. Who knows? All right, Missouri Western at Eli's second favorite team, Lincoln. Oh yeah. <laughs> Going with Mo West. I don't even have to ask. What's your score? Um,
3: go Lincoln, but. They're not going to win. Same. But Lincoln's going to (laughs) win. I mean, I want Lincoln to win, but Mo West is going to win.
0: I understand. I'm with you there. Okay. We're speaking the same language.
3: I think that it's going to be a not even close game.
0: No, I agree with that.
3: not close whatsoever. 56-7. I know they scored a decent amount against... They scored twice against Emporia. Mm-hmm.
0: I One was an 85-yard touchdown, though, so it's not like they were consistently moving the football. Yeah, uh, I think Lincoln might be able to score some points. I'm—I don't know what's happened to Western's defense. Um, not that they can't give up points; it didn't at times last year. But I'm going to go 55-20. Lincoln's at home; they'll score some points. It won't be close. It'll—it'll. It'll, uh, Western starters will probably be out by after the first drive of the second half. So. All right, now the big game. Game of the week. Two ranked teams. Emporia State. Emporia, you're losing. At Northwest.
3: Emporia's losing, so Bearcats. Okay. Obviously. I'm never choosing against them.
0: I understand that.
3: I'm not going to stick to that. Eventually, I might choose against them. But I don't plan on it. Okay. My score Mm -hmm. is... It'll be real close, okay? I think it'll be real close, like like real, real close. 31 to 24.
0: Same as last week. I am going Bearcats, that should be no surprise. I think it's going to be a two-score game. I I don't know. I think all of the Worry about the Northwest secondary, the Northwest defense. I think, boy, everything that I saw last week looked to me like it could probably be corrected. Gave up some big plays. They still count. They, they happen. Emporia may get a big play or two in this game. Um, but they, I don't know. There's just something about Northwest, even though the the they just have this edge on Emporia. No matter how good of Emporia is, and until Emporia does it, I I won't believe they can do it. I'm going to go 28-17.
3: Don't we have a win record against them? Like
0: we're 32 or sorry, we're 36 and two all time. The last time Emporia beat us was 1994. But Emporia's had some really good teams during that time. It's kind of the surprising thing about that. 15 and 16 when you had two of the best Bearcat teams of all time were probably Emporia's two best teams ever, certainly in that time period.
3: No Emporia fans should waste their time and go because they're (laughs) obviously going to lose.
0: Well, I say that, you know, Emporia will beat us by 10 or something, but I really don't think so. I think the Bearcats are going to respond. There could be more points scored than that. Maybe I'm going low with 28-17. I could see 35-24, something like that. But I'm on the record at at 28-17, so... I think the Bearcats score late to have a have a have a two score win.
3: Well, our defense, uh, our well rested defense, especially from last game, they can really do some stuff. Especially mm-hmm. that last interception, that was awesome. That
0: was awesome.
3: Incredible.
0: All right. We excited about this game. Yeah. Me too. And it's home. Thursday nights are fun. Yeah. Maybe get to tailgate a little bit. So uh, what else you got to say? You going to wrap us up here?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think I am. Huh. Hmm. I haven't completely decided what what I'm going to say. I was going to say something else, but I forgot. Well, looks like I forgot. Okay.
0: (laughs) Must have been really important.
3: Yep. Very, very important stuff. You don't even know. Anyway. The Bearcats aren't red. They're not silver. They're not tan. They're not gold. Even though I should have just said yellow.
0: Um, anyway. Or
3: gray. They're not gray.
0: Uh, they're green. There he is. The star of the show. The reason you're here. Eli with the Bearcats according to Eli. I got to give John Dykstra some love. He gets a lot of it. He, even if he's not on, he gets usually gets mentioned last week into the game, into the Missouri Southern game on the field, interviewing the players. The first question to all three players was asked by John. And it was the same question. Why should Eli pick you as his favorite player? And one, I got a kick out of that. I think it caught him maybe a little bit off guard, <laughs> but Mikey had probably the best answer. Definitely. Uh, what you would kind of expect to hear from him. He was said, no, 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 not me. Pick the five offensive linemen and rotate it every week. And so that, that was a good, that was a good one. That was, uh, <laughs> that was good stuff. But I yeah, had to give, give John Dykstra some love. I give him a lot of it, I know, but he's a friend. He's also really good at what he does and a very knowledgeable guy. And that's why I like to have him on the podcast. So I'm sure he'll be, uh, be back on here and, Shortly won't be too many weeks, um, before he's, uh, he's joining me back here on the podcast. Speaking of the podcast, you know, my desire to grow this thing continues and I need your help to do that. So if you would, uh, you know, spread the word of bleeding green, make sure you're subscribed on, on social media. That helps the more, you know, people following, liking, whatever, you know, that, that just gets it in front of more, more people's eyes. Uh, do kind of struggle with that, especially on Twitter nowadays. It's, uh, you know, they, they were really pushing that blue check mark pretty heavily. That's not something that I'll ever get more out of a principled stance, honestly, than anything else. But, uh, uh, anyway, you know, if you, if you see any of my posts, like them, share them, whatever, all, all of that stuff helps to kind of get the word out. Tell people, you know, about it. Um, you know, you can always direct people to the website bleedinggreenpodcast.com and whatever way you listen to this podcast, whatever app or Avenue you listen to uh, through, if you could, you know, leave a like a five-star review, a thumbs up, a comment, any of that stuff is greatly appreciated. And, uh, and I appreciate that. That's going to do it for another edition of bleeding green beers, burgers, and bear cat football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel, big game tonight. If you're not going to be there and you're not subscribed on the MIAA network, listen to the Bearcat Radio Network. John uh, John Coffey and Matt Trenton with the call on there. And uh, don't forget, as I always say, please be kind. You could make somebody's day, maybe turn their day or week or who knows, month around, just with a little bit of kindness. And, of course, as always, go Bearcats! (laughs)